Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, speaking of Jesus, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. That's highly important, so I want us to say that together. Can I get everybody to say, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boats as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. This means this boat has water coming over the edge. Like, I, anybody here can't swim? You can't swim? How many of y'all would be scared? Okay. Anybody can't swim and you still be scared? Okay. All right. So the boat was being beat by the waves so that it was already filling. But he, speaking of Jesus, was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, like Jesus, get up. What you, what you doing? Don't you care that we're about to drown? Let, let's, let's modernize this where this is home. Don't you care, Jesus, that I just got laid off? Don't you care how they just abused me? Don't you care that we are in a pandemic? Don't you care that I'm facing crisis? Don't you care how they just played me? Don't you care how they just hurt me? Don't you care how they took advantage of me, Jesus? Don't you care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, as I was reading this, I started to think like I was a disciple for a second. All right, Jesus, what does my faith have to do with this? Okay, we are about to drown. The wind is blowing extra hard. You are asleep somehow. This is a waterbed because the Bible just said that water is starting to overflow. Are you sleeping in a waterbed or something? What do you mean? We don't have faith. Okay, you have to understand, as I was studying this, this windstorm was likened unto a hurricane. Now, hurricanes have phases they have to go through. First, it's a tropical wave, then it's a tropical depression, and then it's a tropical storm, and then it's a hurricane. So you asking me, why am I afraid and this instant hurricane just spawned out of anywhere? What are you talking about? How is it you have no faith? Until I remembered verse 35. He said, let us go. Let us go to the other side. I didn't say that you won't encounter a storm, but I did say you're going to get to the other side. I didn't say that you won't get tested, but I did say that you're going to get to the other side. So no matter how many haters you have, no matter how hard they try to stop you, no matter how bad the storm, no matter how bad the pandemic, no matter how bad the doctors report, no matter how bad whatever they say about you, if I told you we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. How is it you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be 
that even the wind and the seas obey him. Church family, what do you do when God has given you an instruction? God has given you a word, but some way and somehow he left out the details of what you're going to encounter while following him. Jesus said, verse 35, let us go to the other side. And as we're trying to go to the other side, we encounter a storm. Somebody say storm. storm. Don't miss it, y'all. Jesus says, let us go that way. And as they're going that way, something gets in the way. <laughs> Jesus says, I called you this way. You're anointed to go this way. You're assigned to go this way. You have a calling to go this way. Your favor is this way. Your kingdom connections are this way. Your opportunities are this way. And you're like, okay, Jesus, I got that. I'm cool. But uh, how is it I'm going the way you told me to go and something's trying to stop me? I wonder, is there anybody in the sacred space on this afternoon? And I wonder if there's anybody watching online, have you ever felt like something's trying to stop you? Oh, I'm talking to somebody, one little half clap. I'm going to ask it one more time. Have you ever felt like something is trying to stop you? Like, like something is trying to hold you back. You really can't put your finger on it, but there is an unexplainable resistance. Like as soon as you're trying to get your book published, as soon as you're trying to formulate the LLC or the nonprofit for your vision, as soon as you're starting to try to give birth to the ministry, y'all, as soon as your car got fixed, y'all not talking to me. <laughs> As soon as your car got fixed, as soon as the relationship ended and you got to a place where you're not crying anymore, but you're like, you know what, God, for the rest of this year, I'm going to just focus on my healing and my spiritual evolution. Because if I be honest, God, if somebody else breaks my heart, they're going to have to catch these hands. They're going to have to catch these hands. And I know you don't want nobody to catch these hands, so I'm going to just stay focused on you. <laughs> I'm talking about once you got there, as soon as you tried to start coming to church consistently, as soon as you start trying to binge watch edifying sermons consistently, as soon as you're trying to go the direction God told you to go, something is trying to stop you. And as I'm looking at this, I'll be like, Jesus, my issue is not in following the direction that you told me to go. Like some people are still there. Some people still need to be convinced that God's way truly is the best way. That's not me anymore. I have learned I don't want to live a season outside of the favor of God. Am I talking to anybody? I have learned anytime I go outside of obeying God to get something, I'm going to have to stay outside to keep what I got. And I don't want to stay outside. Some people need to be convinced. But I understand that you have an original kingdom agenda. And I want to live my life in alignment with that kingdom agenda. 
God, I don't have no problem with following you. My problem is this storm you forgot to mention. Mm-hmm. I don't have no problem reading, praying, fasting. Like, I have no problem. I'm there. I'm there at this place where I'm like, okay, God, I'm going in. I have no problem with following you. But it's, it's what I have to deal with along the way that seems to be bothering me. Can we make this personal? Like, you didn't tell me that my family would turn on me like this. You didn't tell me that my best friend would betray me like this. You didn't tell me that the church would give me trauma like this. You didn't tell me when I'm following you, sometime you orchestrate and design a season of separation where I feel like I'm alone because you're trying to detox me and purge me of everything I gained in Egypt. That is symbolic of when we were slaves. And now you have me in a season where you're purging my mind and you're purging my appetite and you're purging of my desires you left that part out you left out the wind that would blow and the waves that would hit the boat of my life you left out the shifting rains that would sting my face and impair my vision you left that part out and if you're like me I'm like God how is it you know every single star in the sky by name how is it you know the exact mathematical equation of measurements of grains of sand on every beach in the whole world? How is it you know the exact number of hair follicles that are on my head because you told me in your word that even the hairs on my head are all numbered. How is it you're omniscient, you're omnipresent, you know all things, you know every intricate and intimate part of my anatomy, you know all of my life, my past, my future, my beginning, you're the author and finisher of my faith. In other words, God, you're too smart to leave this out. <laughs> like you know too much. You know too much to leave out the part that I'm going to go through a storm. Can I mess y'all up? Nobody said number one person. Can I mess y'all up? It is only those religious, spirited people who make the erroneous and frivolous assumption that just because you're going through, it must mean you have an open door. What you doing, baby? Got an open door in your life. You got an open door in your life. It is only those religious spirited people who make the frivolous assumption that just because you're going through, it must mean you're going the wrong way. This text proves to me sometimes the storm, sometimes the storm is because I'm going the right way. I finally have the right perspective. I finally have the right mindset. I finally have the right heart posture. Sometimes it's because you're going the right way. Please hear me, y'all. Every storm is not the same. Every storm is not the same. Do you have Bible to corroborate your claim? Yes, I do. I'm glad you asked. Jonah went through a storm because he was in rebellion. But then Noah went through a storm because he was favored. And the disciples are going through a storm because they're following Jesus. Every storm is not the same. Now, we know that this storm was not orchestrated by God because Jesus rebuked it. Stay with me. Stay with me. 
Jesus told us in the text when they accused him of being Beelzebub and casting out devils by being a devil, he said, no kingdom that is divided against itself can stand. Jesus also told us, I only do what the Father tells me to do. So it wasn't God who sent the storm because then it would be God rebuking God. Did y'all catch that? Somebody's going to hit you on the way home. It will be God rebuking God. The enemy is the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And I believe the disciples, they already fear for their life because they say, how could you sleep, bro? We about to die. So then the question is, why would the enemy send a storm to try to stop them from where they're going? This is so powerful, y'all. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. What was it about where they were going that caused for the enemy to feel, I need to interfere with their process because I don't want them to get to the other side? What was it about where Jesus told his disciples, we have to go that way? That the enemy said, I have to conjure up something that could possibly kill, steal, and destroy because I don't want them to get that way. Where were they going? I'm glad you asked one more time. Let's look at the Bible and see. Mark chapter 5, we're just going over another chapter. Mark chapter 5, verse 1, it says, then they came to the other side. Somebody said the other side. They came over to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he, this is Jesus, when he came out of the boat immediately, can I get somebody to say immediately? Immediately. There met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. So as soon as Jesus steps foot on the land of the Gadarenes, an unclean spirit is coming to meet him. This is powerful, y'all, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with the chain, because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken into pieces, neither could anyone tame him, and always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Anytime there is self-affliction, there is a spirit involved. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. Now, remember, king encounters. Even devils can't continue on with what they're doing when the king steps in the atmosphere. <laughs> so good, y'all. Woo! Get through this. All right, get through this, Jerry. All right. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, What have I to do with you, Jesus? Son of the most high God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. And then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Y'all, I would have been messed up. I would have been messed up. I'm going to keep going. 
Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him. Now, the only way you beg is if you recognize somebody who has authority over you is standing in front of you. So all the demons begged him saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And once Jesus gave them permission, the unclean spirit went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. Y'all seeing this? If 2,000 swines are running, how many demons was in this man? There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned into the sea. Look, y'all, Porky Pig didn't even want to handle Porky Pig didn't even want to deal with what this man had been dealing with for years. Animals were like, I'd rather die than deal with the amount of battle and deal with the amount of oppression and deal with the amount of possession that you have been dealing with. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. All those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed about the swine. Then they began to plead with him, talking to Jesus, depart from their region. So after they see this, they're saying, Jesus, you got to get up out of here. Okay, you got to leave. My pigs and jump off a cliff. You got to go. We used to him hollering, screaming, leave. And when he got into the boat, notice that Jesus didn't even debate. He's starting to leave like they asked him. He who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Diopolis all that Jesus had done for him, and they marveled. Church family, the verses of consideration. The verses of emphasis, there are a few verses that I would like to bring to your attention for a few moments for this preaching presentation. And that first is verse 37 of Mark chapter 4. When the text says, there was a great, great windstorm. That's the first verse I want you to remember. The second verse I want you to remember is in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 5, verse 2, when it says, as soon as they got to the other side, an unclean spirit ran up to Jesus. That's the second verse I want you to consider. The third verse I want you to consider is in Mark chapter 5, verse 17, when Jesus tells him, now go tell everybody what has happened to you. Now, if you study the life of Jesus, most of the time when Jesus would do something miraculous, he would say, don't tell nobody. But in this particular stance, he's saying, go tell everybody. I don't want you to miss this, y'all. So we go from a storm trying to stop us, a demon-possessed man who has a king encounter. Jesus rolls up on him and starts handing out eviction notices. You can't have his peace no more. You can't torment him no more. You can't have his mind anymore. You can't have his joy anymore. Why y'all looking at me cray-cray? You don't know that Jesus hands out eviction notices? Some of y'all think that was a breakup. You don't even recognize Jesus said, uh, not, not, not my daughter, you can't have this one. Not, not, not my son, you can't have this one. 
No, you don't even recognize Jesus operates in handing out eviction notices. And you cry to my God, why? And Jesus, if he could answer you, he would say, girl, you're somebody's whole wife. This ain't my will. Uh, my dude, you're somebody's whole husband. This isn't my will. Eviction notice. How do we go from a storm to a demon-possessed man who has a king encounter? Jesus gives out eviction notices to him telling the demon-possessed man, go tell everybody about what God just did. Y'all, please don't miss this. Please, please, please. The order matters. Jesus says, let us go to the other side. Something tries to stop them from getting to the other side. Jesus rebukes it. Once he gets to the other side, a man with the legion approaches him. Jesus delivers the man and then activates the man to be an evangelist in the land. Are y'all catching this? This is so good. But then the people are terrified and say, hey, Jesus, you got to go. This is misplaced fear, y'all. Like, instead of them fearing a life without Jesus, they fear what happens to a life that meets Jesus. Ooh, that's confirmation for somebody. Why am I relationship acting like this? Maybe it's they fear what your life has become. Now that you have met Jesus, I fear coming on this stage without having my own encounter with Jesus. I fear coming on this stage without the presence of Jesus because I know without him, I won't have my oil. I will look like a fool and I want God to anoint me to be his PA system. I'm terrified of trying to live life without Jesus. But these people said we're more scared of what will happen to a life that meets Jesus than a life that hasn't met Jesus. And this is the crazy thing, y'all. This man goes from being possessed and halfway insane to well and in his right mind, and they're terrified about that. Listen, this is a word. People won't be able to understand your deliverance if all they understand is devils. Talk Holy Ghost. Talk Holy Ghost. They won't be able to understand, and your deliverance will terrify them if all they ever know is devils. So you're telling me you're so used to him hollering and screaming in the tombs. you rather that version of him versus the well and delivered version of him. And this shows me something about our Savior. When they told him to leave, Jesus doesn't try to convince them. But let me stay. I, I, I could change your life. You know, I'm a promise keeper, miracle worker. Like, he doesn't try to convince them. He leaves. This lets me know something. God will let you live on whatever level you settle for. Oh, your neck. Oh, oh. Look, so if you want to stay on level three, when I have level seven for you, I'll let you live on. Whatever level you settle for. Here it is. If you want to continue to breastfeed level four depths, when I have for you level 20 heights, I will let you stay on the level of your breastfed baby. I'll let you live on whatever level you settle for. He doesn't try to convince them I should stay here because you were not cosmically created to try to convince people of your worth. Talk, Holy Ghost. 
when it's a blessing from God, you will never have to exchange your mental health as payment to keep it. I don't have to try to convince you my value. I don't have to try to convince you my worth. He leaves. So now, as I'm studying and sermon prep, I begin to think to myself, if I was a disciple and I saw all of that, I would be high-key freaked out. Not low-key. Somebody say high-key. Like high-key freaked out. Now, I was a student pastor nine years before I was ever a lead pastor. And I had to learn how to make the Bible come alive. That's why I do illustrations and I'm real animated because teenagers won't say amen. A college student won't say, that's good, sir. They won't say facts. They'll just look at you. So I try to make the Bible come alive. So I want this little episode to come alive for a second. Now, if I was a disciple, I would be high-key freaked out. We getting back in the boat and we rowing. I don't know where we rowing. I would have been like, okay, I need to talk to Jesus for a second. Time to scoot over. I, I, need to, I need to talk to Jesus for a second. Hey, Peter, Peter, come roll the paddle for me real quick. I would have walked over to Jesus and I would be like, um, teacher, rabbi, I'm confused. You, you told me, well, you told all of us, right, guys? Don't leave me out here. You told all of us, let us go to the other side. And we're listening to you. And as we're going, we almost drown, Lord. We, I've never seen wind blow like that. I've never seen a storm. That thing was fierce, and you were asleep through it. Are you tired? Are you tired? Like, are we, are, are you, are we walking too much? Maybe we need to slow down for a second. No more preaching for a week. I don't know how you slept through that. Okay? And then when, when, when we stepped stepped over into this land, this, this deranged, afflicted, tormented, unclean, bloody man, because remember the Bible says he was cutting himself, this bloody man who was naked runs up to you, calls you the son of the most high God, you send him like all these demons in the porky pig, and they all jump off the cliff, okay? And then they tell us to leave, and we're leaving. What was all that for, God? Why, I don't understand. Why do we go there? And then as soon as we go there, you're going to tell us, all right, we got to go because they kicked us out. I'm confused. I have some questions. Anybody else want have some questions? Anybody? That's how I'm just thinking. And God revealed to me something. During my sermon prep time, he gave me a revelation. Can we go a little deeper, y'all? Can we go a little deeper? Now, you have to know there is a spiritual realm and there is a natural realm. Nothing happens in the natural realm that didn't first happen in the spiritual realm. Even before Jesus was actually on Calvary's hill, the Bible says the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. Nothing happens in the natural that doesn't first happen in the spiritual. Okay? And in fact, before this whole encounter happened. You have to understand, the demons knew who Jesus was. Y'all probably missed the fact that the disciples said, who is this? But then when they met the man with the legion, they said, Jesus, son of the most high God. Y'all missed it. When the wind was blowing and Jesus rebuked it, the disciples were like, who is this dude? But then when they got to the other side, the man who had the spirit filled with legions said, Jesus, son of the most high God. Lucifer and his servants, demons, they already know who Jesus is. 
before they were ever kicked out, Lucifer was in heaven. When Lucifer got kicked out and there was no competition, if you read the Bible, it says, then I saw Satan fall like lightning. God was like, Sonic, boom, it's over. <laughs> no competition. So, if this be true, and you have to understand, through fasting and through seeking God's face, he can give us a spiritual insight, which is how we see in the scripture, when Jesus was talking to Simon Peter, he says, who does men, men say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus then said to Simon Peter, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood, that's the natural, did not reveal this to you. This wasn't Googled. You didn't find this on Pinterest. God revealed this to you. So right now, we're about to get a revelation of what's happening in this text. I believe Satan and his servants saw the king is coming. Y'all missed it. Can I get somebody to say the king is coming? I believe he saw the king is coming. He's coming over to the land of the Gadarenes. This is our region. This is our territory. We have somebody over here who's under our ownership. And the king is coming. Now, I don't know what he's going to do, but I know what he can do. Woo, talk, Holy Spirit. Talk. So I have to try to orchestrate a storm to possibly stop him from getting over to the side where we have strongholds. I have to do something to try to prevent them and prohibit them to get over to the other side. Oh, this is for somebody. This is why you went through the trauma. This is why you went through the abuse. This is why it arrived in childhood. This is why you went through the pain. This is why you have distraction after distraction. This is why there's counterfeit opportunity after counterfeit opportunity. This is why the enemy's trying everything he can because he don't know what you're going to do. But he does know once you have a king encounter what you can do. And I don't want them to ever get to the other side. Who am I talking? Too. I don't want them to ever get to the other side of purpose and the underside of peace and the other side of understanding and the other side of clarity and the other side of knowing their assignment. I don't want them to get to that side. So I try to stop them so that they'll never get over to the other side. But Jesus can't be stopped. Can I get somebody to say it can't be stopped? So the enemy could see. When God has his hand on you. Mm -hmm. I can see in the spirit realm and the natural realm. I can see when God has favor on you. Y'all look at me cray cray. So let me give you Bible. I told y'all I'm preaching my perspective. Let me give you Bible. Uh, Job chapter 1 verse 6. It says, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where did you come from, my dude? And then Satan answered the Lord, look at this, y'all, from going to and fro on the earth and walking from back and forth. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Can I get somebody to say, Lord, Lord. don't ever do that to me. All right. It says, Lord, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? 
Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. Pause for a second. This text never started by God telling Satan that I put a hedge of protection around Job. So how does Satan know that? How does Satan know that Job is protected on every side? He didn't just say some side. He said every side. How does Satan know that Job is growing and all of his possessions have increased if he didn't try it? So even though, see, some of us will be clapping harder if you recognize the only way you got here today was due to your hedge. The only way you're still sane in the membrane is because of your hedge. The only way you still have peace is because of your hedge. The only way you were able to sleep last night and get dressed this morning is because of your hedge. God has put a hedge of protection on every side, and the enemy knows it. He knows your favor. He knows you're called. He knows you're appointed. He knows God has a plan for your life. He just doesn't want you to know it. So I'm going to try to stop you before you ever get to the land of the gatherings. Because if you ever get to the other side of knowing who you are, you're going to be my problem. So I'm going to try to get you to be counseled by your problems. So I never want you to get to the other side. Listen, y'all, hell doesn't necessarily know your gift. But it does know what's going to happen if you ever operate in your giftedness. Like, I do know what could happen if you start walking around in purpose. I do know what can happen if you start walking around with the full heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. The danger of walking around with a thirsty heart is you'll settle for watered down love. Woo, talk Holy Ghost. When you walk around with a thirsty heart, you will settle for watered down preaching. But when you walk around with a full heart, I'm not even trying to drink from that fountain because I have the fountain living on the inside of me. Doesn't know what could be, but you're going to be dangerous if you actually publish that book. You're going to be dangerous if you actually record that podcast. I'll make a person about me. It's going to be dangerous, Jerry, if you actually record that video, edit that video, create a YouTube channel called Redefine TV, and then upload that video. I see that there's something on your life, and I don't fully know what you're going to do, but I know what you can do if the king ever gets you. I do know what can happen if the king starts to hand out eviction notices in your life. This explains the attacks, y'all. I'm sitting in sermon, sermon prep like, my God, this is so awesome. I'm sitting here blown. If, if the message doesn't bless the preacher, why do I think it's going to bless y'all? <laughs> I'm tripping, calling my mama four or five times. Oh, did you see this? You saw this? And I called my mama. I also told Tanisha. I said, I get it, y'all. You know what was happening? When Jesus said, let us go to the other side, he was really saying, I need to go activate an evangelist. There's somebody that has to be activated because Satan thinks he can run stuff over there. So I have to activate an evangelist. And the reason he's so cool with leaving, because he's already been activated. He's already had his encounter. What will happen in our churches if you have an encounter? What will happen in our marriages if you have an encounter? What will happen in our singleness if you have an encounter? Satan doesn't know what you're going to do, but he knows what you can do once you have your encounter. This is so good, y'all. Nothing about me is self-made. Everything about me is God-made. I believe if the next level version of you could have a conversation with the current you, it would tell you you didn't wake up like this. 
It took for you to pray to get like this, yeah. It took for you to fast to get like this. It took for you to trust all the eviction notices that Jesus had to hand out in your life. It took for you to seek his face to get like this. It took a king encounter. Why are you tripping over a storm? You survived worse raindrops than this. God has called you for something greater. Well, I don't know how they did me like that. You have to understand, everybody's not built like you. So stop expecting you in return. Talk Holy Spirit. It hurts so bad because you're expecting you from you, but you built different. Can I get somebody to say, I'm built different? So I would like to speak from this topic for a few more moments. Eviction notices. Can I get everybody to say this with me in the house and online? Put this in the room in all caps. Can I get everybody to say, Father, break every chain that has been set by the enemy. Devil, here's your eviction notice. One more time. Father, break every chain that has been set by the enemy. Devil, here's your eviction notice. Would you give God a praise in the house? Father, in this moment, would you set the atmosphere where fire will fall from heaven? Unclean spirits will be troubled and have to get out of this place. And give us an understanding that it's more about what we will become versus anything that has tried to stop us along the way. And anoint me as your oracle, your PA system, in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with our prayer would just shout amen. So just a few more moments, and I'm going to let you enjoy your Sunday. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, the power in this text is when you see that the storm, the man who is possessed with the legion of demons, and him being told to go tell everybody about what God has done for you are all connected. You miss the whole point of this sermon if you miss the fact that the storm, the demon possession, him being delivered, Jesus giving him eviction notices, and activating him as the evangelist are all connected. We've heard so much preaching about Jesus rebuking the storm. I'm not minimizing that. But as I'm studying this, I begin to ask myself, have we been so focused on the power of God on display by him telling the storm to be quiet that we're missing why the storm ever existed? Maybe we have overlooked the revelation of the storm. See, I would like to ascribe to you that the demons weren't even as upset that they could no longer have this man as a host. What they really didn't want was to leave the region. I'm going to touch that more later. They really didn't want to, re to leave the region. They had this man in the cemetery. Look, y'all, look at your Bible. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 5, verse 2, it says, And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. You talk about scary. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Listen, demonic spirits want us to be surrounded by the dead. Did you hear what I just said? Demonic spirits want us to be surrounded by the dead. I don't know why we're not talking about this in our churches. I don't know why we're not talking about this, but if you study the life of Jesus, he kept on dealing with devils. Yeah. 
Demonic spirits like us to be surrounded by dead things. Not just dead physically, but also spiritually. I want you to be surrounded by people who are dead to God's voice. I want you to be surrounded by people who are dead to purpose so that it will normalize death to you. I want you to be surrounded by people who are dead to purity. I want you to be surrounded by tombs. In fact, your clique, your squad, whatever you want to call them, I want your clique to be your cemetery. This man was living amongst the dead. Hmm, that sounds familiar. He was living amongst the dead. Man, that sounds familiar. He was living amongst the dead. There it is. Once Jesus rose from the grave and the women were looking for him, the angels told the women, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Because when you really have a king encounter, you don't like staying in dead places. Demonic spirits like us to hang around dead things. Now remember, this series is designed to show us that nobody could meet the king and remain the same. And this particular episode that we're preaching this week, you're seeing that devils can't even continue in their operation once Jesus is on the scene. Somebody say king encounter. They announce, what do you have to do with us, son of God? That's recognition. They recognize the one who has all authority has just came on this land. The one who has all power over us has just stepped on this land. And he comes out wearing these chains. I believe they're both physical and spiritual. And just being a man of discernment, a lot of us in the sanctuary have come to the house with chains. Chains of depression. Chains of unforgiveness. Chains of underappreciating what God is doing in this season of your life. Because you're addicted to the scroll and you see everybody posting their presented world. Please, don't be confused. Everybody didn't post their real life. Chains of lust. It's like I told us before, for many of us, our freak runs deep. I said that in church. A freak runs deep. And so we come to the house with these chains. And many of us are going to encounter the chain breaker. Chains, chains. Chains are anything that you feel stuck to that has you feeling heavy. Because chains are the appliance for the spirit of heaviness. This is why you should never judge somebody for their struggle. You know why? Because you don't put the same size chain on a Yorkie as you do a Great Dane. Somebody got it. Somebody got it. The Yorkie, if it get loose, it's just going yappity yap. If that Great Dane get loose, it's going roofy roof. Maybe the enemy tries to put a greater chain on you because he's scared. What will happen if you ever get free? So I try to put a chain on you so that you will never operate in your freedom and become my problem. Now, I want us to see this. I showed us this chart before. The second one is a new one, but I want us to see this. I want to show you the chart of possession, okay, so that we can fully see this. If we could just put it on the screen. I want us to understand how evil spirits operate. We have patterns, portals, and possession. So it starts with the pattern. That's the track. 
Then after the pattern, it's the portal. So let's say if it's a pattern of watching pornography. That opens a door for the enemy. See, do you ever wonder why the demons ask to go into pigs? Pigs are considered unclean. So demonic spirits try to capture and possess our life by any area in our life that's unclean. That we keep on trying to justify is not that bad. Patterns, portals, that's how they have access, and then they have possession. But I want you to notice this. Let's go backwards. If we address the patterns, we mess up his grip so he can't possess us, so he can't have access to us, so he has no open doors, and we can trace that back to God breaking every pattern. This is so good, y'all. But the enemy doesn't just want hosts. He wants regions. Put this on where you can see this, Carl. Regions. Now, like, we, we can understand, like, on the West Coast, it's obvious that there's a spirit of perversion over there. The porn industry. It's obvious in the Midwest of our nation, there's a spirit of rage and murder there. Think about all the killing in Chicago. Or we could even notice how in the boot, Louisiana, there's a spirit of witchcraft there. Spirits like regions. They don't just want host. They want to host regions. See, you probably missed this. Look at this, y'all. Verse 9 of Mark chapter 5, it says, Then he asked, What is your name? He answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Listen, you can send us out of this dude. But don't send us out of the region. Don't send us out of the country. Now, I want you to see something. This is just something I felt the Lord gave me. Claiming regions. It starts with your bloodline. Somebody say bloodline. bloodline. Papa's issue. Grandma's issue. Great-grandma's issue. Like everybody. If you look back, all of us were alcoholics. Everybody. For them, it might have been rum. But then for you, you passing the cavassier. It's just generation after generation. Seriously. If you look, all of us seem to have a certain pattern. All of our men are unfaithful in my family. Every single one of them. If I look at, look at myself, if I look at my uncles, if I look at my brothers, if I look at my, my dad, if I look at my grandfather, if I look at my great-grandfather, there is a pattern of adulterous behavior in my bloodline. All the women are just, I mean, they just go off. My mama loud will curse you out. I'm loud. I'll curse you out. My auntie loud. Yes, I'm coming for your mama on this Sunday afternoon. My auntie will curse you out. Don't mess with Aunt Sheila. Everybody will curse you out. My grandma, she 80 years old, and she still will curse you out. You better get your bleep out of here. Still will curse you out. There's a pattern in the bloodline. So what the enemy wants, I want your bloodline. I want your bloodline. This is why certain addictions that we struggle with, they're harder to break. You know why? They're inherited warfares. Warfares that granddaddy never beat. Grandma never beat it, never defeated. And now you're fighting a historical war. Okay? Everything, like, it was easy for me to stop smoking. Man, but when it come to me to stop cut, historical. Want your bloodline. How does the enemy get bloodline? By womb and seed. Ooh, y'all not going to like this. 
I have to have your womb, ma'am. I have to have your womb. Listen, spirits form tollways in bloodlines. I'm preaching so hard because I'm trying to convince somebody to stop paying the toll. Y'all missed what I just said. Spirits form tollways in bloodlines. The only way I can keep it in the earth, ma'am, is I have to have your womb. I have to have your womb. I need you to be insecure. I need for you to not know your value. I need for you to not know your worth in Christ. I need for you to get tired of trusting God's timing. I need for you to get tired because I need your womb. Fellas, you ain't off the hook. I got all these girls all around me. I got all these girls around me. I'm just so, I got all. Maybe it's the enemy providing you with all these wombs so you can waste your seed in the wrong womb. I told y'all y'all don't want to talk to me. I need your seed, sir. It's not about how many women you can get. It's about how I can keep something in your bloodline so I can keep it in the earth. Culture has lied to you and making you think that you're a man by how many women you sleep with. And you don't even recognize I need for you to keep spilling your seed in her womb and her womb and her womb and her womb so I can keep a hold of this region. Your womb and your seed. Because once I have your womb and your seed, now I got a cycle. Mama passed the pattern on you. You passed the pattern on your daughter. She going to pass the pattern on her daughter. It all started from the womb and seed. This is why sexual purity matters. I don't care if you're tired of hearing about it. It stops the enemy from claiming a hold on a bloodline. Look, let me give you Bible so you can see this. Carl, I'm going to come back to the chart, but let's put up Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2, I want you to see this. I'm not preaching my opinion, y'all. I'm preaching study and revelation. Malachi chapter 2, verse 15. It says, he seeks godly offspring. Listen, therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. I'll protect my woman. One way you can protect us by protecting her spirit. How can I do that? Stop entertaining other spirits. God don't want to talk to me. All right. It starts with the cycle. Why does he want the cycle? Because then he has his infantry. This man had a legion, y'all. Legion, when I was studying this, a legion was like a Roman empire of 6,000 soldiers. We just know from the text that 2,000 and 3,000 pigs got filled with them. You may have never thought about this, but Satan is organized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hell is very organized. He has plans for you, your unborn children. He's organized. You got to understand, this is why he constantly tries to confuse you so much. Because he knows how powerful the weapon of confusion is. And God tries to tell us, I, did not, I am not the author of confusion. Satan knows how powerful confusion is because we must have order and structure. This man had an infantry of satanic spirits in him. Armies in him. Because this is how we have, look this, dominion. We have dominion. And the reason we want dominion is so that we can have a stronghold. I got a stronghold in the land of the Gadarenes. Maybe this message is not as much about this man getting delivered as much as it is 
about how Satan wanted the territory. Don't cast us out the region. Let me say this backwards too. If we start dealing with the stronghold, that is any area in your life that has a stronghold, if we start dealing with the strongholds, we'll mess up his dominion, dominion, which means we'll mess up his infantry, which will mess up his cycle, which will mess up his sexual plans, which will mess up the bloodline. So good, y'all. The bloodline. David had a lust issue. His son Solomon really took it to another level by having a thousand of women. I'm just trying to just master my wife. I can't imagine a thousand, bro. <laughs> a thousand. Look, in the same bloodline is Rahab the harlot. But there's somebody else in the bloodline of David. If I didn't eat this, I'd throw it. There's somebody else in the bloodline of David. Jesus was in the bloodline of David. Once you have a king encounter, you could shift the bloodline. This is powerful, y'all. So let's end with this. Verse 19 of Mark chapter 5, verse 19. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Same thing happened week one of this series. A woman who was crooked, when she left out of church because this one hit different, she didn't have to tell everybody she had a king encounter. They could tell by just looking at her. And it's the same thing with this man. He really didn't have to tell everybody how much Jesus had done for him because when they saw him in his right mind, it was evidence something happened in his life. You're the only Bible somebody will ever read. The question is, what version of it are you? Point number one, the king has need of you. Can I get somebody to say, the king has need of me? Luke chapter 19, verse 30. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. He says, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, says, say, the Lord has need of it. This message on this afternoon, I'm praying, will cause for your water to break. Because God has put something on the inside of you that you have to give birth to. And the reason I preach so passionately and sweat out of my clothes is because just like that text, I want God to use me to untie you. Why? Because the Lord has need of you. On your job, and your home, and your community, the Lord has need of you. Point number one, the Lord has need of you. Point number two, the king won't share the throne. He won't. That's why he sends out eviction notices. Or if we ask him to, he'll let you live on whatever level you settle for. Not your job, not your bay. Nothing else can sit on the throne of your heart. Have you allowed your heart to be a throne or a couch. Couch is for many people. Throne is for one person. Last point, you've been activated. You've been activated. You can't hear this message on this afternoon and leave here and not understand that you've been activated. The only reason Jesus went to the other side was to activate an evangelist. 
And I got emotional as I was studying because I was like, he did the same thing with the woman with the issue of blood. He did the same thing with the woman at the well. Everybody knew about her because of her fast life. Like she was a NASCAR. That's what I call her. Just fast. Everybody knew about her. He met her and she didn't want to have nothing to do with him because Samaritans don't talk to Jews. But Jesus needed to activate an evangelist. I'm going to pick the most unlikely candidates to do the most unlikely wonders to display my glory in the earth. So God, in this moment, I just feel this, y'all. Can we stand and just lift our hands? Just want to be obedient. Stand and just lift our hands. Father, we come before you with surrendered hearts saying, God, whatever you have to evict, whatever you have to remove so that I could be everything that you have cosmically created for me to be, evicted, God. Even if it hurts, evicted. Even if I don't like it, evicted. Even if it's my preference, evicted. Even if it's why I got comfortable, evicted. God, because it's better to be in your will than to be in mine, we pray, oh God, release us from every chain, both physical and spiritual, that's trying to keep us held captive to any stronghold that the enemy has tried in our bloodline. And we pray, oh God, that you would purge us and activate us so that for the rest of our days, not some of it, but for the rest of our days, we will be your billboards in the earth. We will be arrows that constantly point towards heaven. So just like this man, when everybody looked at him, they marveled. When people look at our life, they won't be able but to be able to say, look what God did. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you give God a praise in the house?